0: God, we do thank you for this day. We thank you for this time together. We thank you for the beauty of your word and the glory of your gospel. We thank you that because of the work of Christ, your Holy Spirit resides in us, driving us forward to fulfill the promise that you've made to us to make us like him. And though we are seen and loved as much as you love your son, um, you are working in our hearts to root out the remaining corruption within us. And we just pray, Father, that you would make us diligent in fighting sin and pursuing holiness and loving Jesus more than the little idols that nip at our heels. We thank you for this season that reminds us again of the great gift that we have in the incarnation where God took on flesh and came to die for us to bear the sins that we could not bear for ourselves, the judgment of that rebellion that we have against you that christ took it on even though he deserved none of it and rose again giving us hope not only that we are in the newness of life but that we will have newness of life when we see him for we will be made like him for we will see him as he is and we pray that as we go through this passage this morning you will again warm our hearts to the beauty of jesus and the love that we have for him and it's in his name that we pray amen all right, so I was talking, I'm, I'm old, I'm getting older, what? I'm, old. I'm old, I'll just say it, and, I, and I, I've been nostalgic lately, and so I've been kind of going through some of the lessons that I've done, you know, with you guys for, the, for many, many years, and I realized something, I've never, we've never done a Christmas lesson in this class, we've never just done a specific Christmas lesson, so I thought, well, maybe it's time to do that, why don't we do that, that'd be great. So turn to number six.
1: Last Christmas lesson. We're
0: going to a very, very old text, number six. Um, and if you remember the last time uh, that that uh, we were in numbers, we were going through a series of laws, priestly laws, uh, ending. I think the last time we did was the Nazarite vow, um, and then the whole thing, the whole. Civil code, religious code thing that we, we saw in Numbers 1 through uh, up to where we are in 6 culminates into this passage, this blessing that God gives to the sons of Aaron. Look at verse 22, number 6, verse 22. It says, Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, You will bless the Israelites. You will say to them, Yahweh will bless you and keep you. Yahweh will make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Yahweh will lift up his face upon you and he will give you peace. And they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. I'm reading to you from the Lexham English Bible. The ESV says, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. I like this because it reminds us, using the name Yahweh, of actually how it was done. This is, we hide, I think, a lot of times, the covenant name of God under the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. But anyway, so I read it to you from that. Anyway, this is a priestly blessing. This is the way the culmination happens in this blessing. Um, the entire section. Uh, gives a duty to the priest to do what? What are they to do? How does it start out? What are they to do?
1: Bless.
0: They're to bless. Now, how are they blessing? The priests have some kind of power. They're serving. They're serving.
1: Through the Lord.
0: Through Through the Lord. So what are the priests basically doing? They're They're relaying relaying a message. Okay. How many ways in this do you see the Lord requiring the, the priest to bless Israel. How many ways does he give in Numbers uh, 6,
1: verse
0: 22? Five? Oh, 22? No, well, I mean, in, in the whole passage, 22 through 27. Five? Five?
1: Well, it just says that they six. are to say to the people.
0: Say to the people, and they say how many blessings to them? Oh, um, six. Six. And you're seeing that there's two. There's couplets, right? Mm-hmm. There's three couplets, Three three times two is six, so yes, that's how that works. Math. Um, The first in each couplet shows God's intention toward his people, and the second part shows his action, his promise of action toward his people. What's the first one say?
1: Bless, bless
0: Bless Bless you and keep you. Now, when he says bless you, this is the season for that word to come out a lot, but that's not what they mean here. They don't mean stop sneezing. He's talking about a certain type of blessing, right? A certain type of thing. Bless, oftentimes in the Old Testament cor- uh, dovetails into material blessing. Abraham was blessed. God gave him money and stuff. Uh, uh, there, there is physical blessing through health and Having lots of babies, having lots of cows, having lots of sheep and goats. Um, so there's that material prosperity, there's physical blessing. It can also mean growth in character. Just launched one here from the, this is why everybody sits way back. Um yeah, poor Scarlett, let me just go right here. You got your umbrella? Okay. Um, it can, it can also reflect growth in character and spiritual integrity, right? So you see the godliness, being blessed to grow in godliness is kind of the idea. Another way to say this is Yahweh or the Lord increase you. Does that sound familiar? Genesis. Genesis. What were the two things that God told Adam, mankind, to do in the garden? Two, there were two types of duties. There was a kingly duty and the priestly duty, right? <clears throat> kingly duty was subdue and increase, right? Mm-hmm. And, the pre, and the priestly duty was what? What's the second promise in this first one?
1: Keep,
0: keep. keep. But in this case, who's doing the growing, who's doing the increasing, and who's doing the guarding? Jesus. Uh, yes, that's what John would tell us. Um that way. God is keeping them. He's promising to keep. That's part of the blessing He's giving them, is that He's guarding them. So, that keep bears the idea of guardianship. What is guardianship? When we think of guardian, being a guard over something, what do you think of generally? Protection. Protection against what?
1: Any outside, Outside. stuff
0: from the outside, right? So, He's promising here in this first one to bless and increase inside the people and to guard and keep from outside, and if you're used to being slaves and, good Lord, if you're used to being slaves and, well, really? Because they are like huge bubbles coming out of my, um, if they're used to being slaves and being very vulnerable to Pharaoh, you think this means something? God will increase us from these Poverty stricken, you know, uh, scrimping around for the materials even to fulfill Pharaoh's duty to to bless and increase and to grow them, and to guard them from stuff in the outside. That's a big deal, right? This is the blessing part of the blessing that uh, the priests were to speak over them. So, bless and keep is the first one. What's the second one? The second couplet, or are the, the three and four, I guess. Yes make his face shine on you. And that sounds very strange to me. Does that mean something?
1: Yes.
0: What does it mean?
1: He's revealing himself to us. He's in the presence of him.
0: Okay? So there's a, there's ideas of his presence, idea of revealing, making himself known by his face shining. What else do you think that would mean? I don't know. I mean that's a that's a that's not something we go President Trump, will you make your face shine on we don 't do that we don 't no, talk no, that way, no, no. but what but what does it in, in this situation? this is an ancient Near East way of speaking, especially about God, a god deity, not just the Hebrews had this idiom. but whenever a deity is said to shine his face on his people, um, it, it means that the God should look with favor on someone. What would be the opposite of shining? His face on them. What would be the opposite? Turning back. Turn, hi, hiding his face, turning his back. What do you think that would imply? Disgrace. Ill favor. Uh, yeah. Ill favor. Yeah. Disgrace. Shaming them by not having his presence with them, right?
2: There seems to be a warmth of relationship with that phrase. Mm-hmm. The shine your face like when you're out in the sunshine. You know, just that. Anyway, but or when, you, when you have a friendship that is... Close. Right. There's a there versus the opposite, that coldness.
0: That right. Happens. So there's a closeness of presence. There's favor in the relationship. There's a, a, um, a reflection of good intention here, right? Be gracious to you. What, what do you, how would that be an action? A lot of scholars say the first part is like his attitude or intent and then the second part is action. How is be gracious to you an action?
1: Forgiveness or yeah. mercy is action.
0: What have we just, yes, what have we just gone through in 1 through 6? That's a ton of law, right? A bunch of laws. And yet, what does the law reveal? Our need for Jesus. That we're lawbreakers. That we need Jesus, yes. That, that we're not... Someone who deserves favor. What is grace? Unmerited favor, right? This action, because of his kind intention toward them, his face shining upon them, the response then, the next natural thing, the action is, he gives grace. Favor they haven't earned and they don't deserve. Uh, One... um, A scholar says it this way, Grace describes the attitude that issues in kindly action of a superior party to an inferior one in which the inferior has no claim on the superior. Does that make sense? You got somebody big who doesn't owe this little pipsqueak anything and yet he shows him favor. Um, The first thing that comes to mind is the tennis match yesterday, but we'll we'll go on. Um, You have... Uh, An expression here of God's shining favor, gracious favor to his covenant people. God extends his grace out of his covenant love and self-determined. Did he have to do it? Was he required to do it? Out of his own will, he makes a promise to bless his covenant people. And he blesses whomever he desires. What's the third couplet? What is the third thing he says? Lift up his countenance upon you. you
2: Mine says
0: turn his face towards you. Turn his face you. Lift up his countenance on you, upon you and give you peace. Those are the two things. What does that mean, lift his countenance upon you? Isn't that just kind of repetitive?
1: Well, that's what I was thinking in the first place. Is the bless you is very generic. And then you make his face shine upon you is more specific. And then lift his countenance upon you seems yet even more specific. More specific? It's... it's well, that's fair. And especially with what can be the your translation is he's turned, he's let his face shine upon us. But now he's turning his face specifically,
0: specifically focusing. That's that's a good point. Yeah, I can see that. Lift up his countenance on you. It's another idiom, another ancient Near East idiom that means a God is giving comfort to someone. So it's more focused than just you know he's 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 showing favor. But now it's focused. Intentionally giving comfort to that individual or to that, um, to that group of people. Um, some have said that lifting of the face or lifting his countenance upon you is functionally the equivalent of a smile. God smiles on his people. And the result of his good pleasure, his smile is what? He gives what? Peace. Now, peace, what does that mean? Shalom. Shalom. Bye. No. What what does that mean? Peace. There's nobody here I can walk all the way in. Yeah.
1: <laughs> What's peace in what? Exactly. They, they've just, you know, they, they're out of Egypt. They're not having to deal with that anymore. Okay. They've just been given all this law. And right. Says, hey, you're going to fail. I'm going to be gracious to you. There's there's peace in all of that. Don't worry. I've, I've got you. I'm keeping you. I'm being gracious to you. So if if you're going into battle, Uh-huh. And you're looking at this huge army. A Goliath is standing in front of you, and you have the Maker of the universe that's standing forty-seven feet tall and has all the power mm-hmm. and can move lightning quickly. Mm-hmm. And has all this. You, you're not scared anymore. You have peace because He's looking upon you. He's telling you His countenance is upon sure. you. Sure. So, so you're on the same side as the, as Philip would say, the undisputed.
0: Everybody's champion, yeah. Um, so, so peace can mean the absence of war. It's one common way of talking about it. Peace can be certainty of victory in war is what, you know, kind of where you're going. Or a state of mind. A state of mind. Shalom is a big word. It encompasses a lot of things. And the covenant peace that God gives, that good intention, the, the smart guys call it uh, use the Hebrew term Hesed, you've heard that, the covenant love of God. That peace that flows from that doesn't mean just absence of war, although that that's what it includes. It also reflects the big picture things in life like harmony, peace in the home, um, peace in the fullness of God's blessing, um, the the contentment, being satisfied of what you have, what you've been given, where he's placed you what stage of life you're in. There's peace there. So you have uh, lift up his countenance, uh, him giving comfort, and the comfort brings... uh, Absence of anxiety. (laughs) Absence of anxiety. Right. Is that a big blessing? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, for people in the desert, I guess. How does this conclude? Verse 27. How, what does he say? What will the priests do? They will put what? His name. His name. They'll put my name on the people. Why would he say that? What's, why would he say that? Look at the grammar of this blessing. Why doesn't he just say, the Lord bless you and keep you make his face shine on you lift up his countenance on you and give you peace why why would why would he not just say it what's repeated three times yahweh the lord it's an emphasis on who
1: it's coming from.
0: what do we know about Jew, uh, hebrew you just said it the hebrew you repeat it three times holy 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 it's really really holy the lord the lord the lord with each blessing He is giving himself more and more and more to his people such that give them my name. Who I am. All of that is given to them in this blessing. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. It's a Hebrew superlative. He's giving more and more of himself to his people in this blessing. And it results in a perpetual increase of guardianship over them, protection over them, prosperity for them, favor, grace, comfort, and peace. His name bears the promise of blessing for His covenant people. His name to everyone outside of that group bears the promise of what? Terror, judgment, right? Ask Pharaoh. But to His people, He is not to be He will not be a terror to them in his covenant relationship with them. I will bless, he says at the end, only serves to heighten the emphasis that God is the source of all grace, blessing, hope, and peace. Yahweh's blessing on his faithful people Israel was in turn to be a means of blessing upon the nations around We see this again and again in the Old Testament. Genesis 12, 3, from the beginning with Abraham, he says, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And he says again in Genesis 22, 18, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Psalm 67, 1 and 2 extends this theme of blessing that we see here. He says, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us Selah that your way may be known on the earth face shine right your saving power among all nations graciousness the peace that is promised to Yahweh's redeemed people through the light of his face is ultimately expressed where? Merry Christmas it's only ultimately expressed in His greatest blessing, where He gives and gives and gives Himself again. Christ brought us peace with God through His taking on the curse, not the blessing, but the curse that we deserve. Isaiah promised, but he was pierced for our transgressions; he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and his by his wounds we are healed. At the birth of Jesus, the angels announced that he came because of God's smile toward his people. It's his glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among them, with, among those with whom he is pleased, with whom he has shown favor. Luke 2:14 Paul goes whole number 6 in describing the profound blessing of Christ on his covenant people for God who said let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ his face shining upon the redeemed of God I think that's pretty profound. I think that's pretty amazing that the blessing that we see here in number six is carried ultimately into the fulfillment of who Jesus is and what he's done. When Jesus seeks to give blessing to his people as our high priest, he doesn't quote number six as a mere messenger like the sons of Aaron. What does he say? He's. What's that? He says, you keep them. He also says in John 14, before he gets to the prayer in 17, he says, no, you're good. Peace I leave with you. Not, hey, God says he's going to give you peace. I'm giving you peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Don't be anxious. Neither let them be afraid. Why can our hearts not be troubled? What is he promising? Why should they not be afraid? They're about to go through some tough stuff. Peter quite didn't hear this during the crucifixion. He was very much afraid and he's very much troubled. What is it about Christ's peace? What is it about what he's giving them that should settle their hearts? He's saying, The one to whom all authority in heaven and on earth has been given is saying, I give you my peace. Not based on your effort, not based on how well you keep numbers 1 through 5, 1 through 6, not based on your sinlessness. Thank God for that. Not based on whether you stand out in a crowd, not based on your net worth, not based on how much everyone else likes you on Facebook, not based on what you can do for me, not as the world gives it. He says, here's my peace based on my effort, based on my sinlessness, based on what I'm going to do and what I've done for you. Paul says, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. This is the glory of God in the face of Christ, what Luther calls his kindly heart toward His people. And to see that blessing takes a creative act. He said, let light shine. Let light be come forth in Genesis 1. In the light brought by the face of Christ, there is increase, protection, His gracious favor, His smiling peace. And that is something to celebrate. Mm. Merry Christmas. Um, Well, any comments, questions?
1: What was the uh, verse that you're quoting that Paul
0: wrote? Oh, that's in 2 Corinthians 4, 6. It's one of my absolute favorites.
1: Kevin, I guess the scary thing as believers, especially 2,000 years removed from what Christ said from the earth, is... Am I really a child of God? One is the, the faith in this. Does His peace and does His blessing actually come on to me and apply it to me? Because there's elsewhere in, in Scripture, particularly the, the New Testament, with what Rodney was, is preaching. Sometimes there's persecution. Sometimes there's hard times, and so it's like I think the difficulty is. Is resting in the fact that in the end we get to spend that time with Christ. Because sometimes in this world stuff isn't easy. Sometimes it's harder yeah. for being a believer. Yeah.
2: I'm just saying, Jesus, who said, "I give you my peace," that you will have trouble. Exactly. World.
0: But be of good cheer. <laughs> I have overcome the world. And, and that's the, it, it, and it comes down to exactly what you're saying. Either you believe him or you don't.
1: And that, but that's where our peace needs to lie mm-hmm. is in. The fact that we are saved, that we are His, that um, the stuff that's in this world, the wood, hay, and stubble, that stuff doesn't matter. Right. So if you're, if you're looking for success and prosperity and um, easeability, mm-hmm. and comfort and health, well, that's wood, hay, and stubble. Mm-hmm. That's not where the peace actually is.
0: Um, on Sunday nights, we've been doing a... A kind of family Bible devotional study um, through MacArthur's book anxious for nothing and one of the things that we wrestled with with my three poor children that I had to put up with me and during these things is what does joy mean we talk about you know the him bringing you know joy and, and all that what does that actually mean because I think it ties into this blessing and Tammy uh, quickly, because she's, she's good at these things, I'm trying to get the answer quick, did a quick Google search and found a definition from Piper, which I think is a good... I don't have it written down, so I'm going to botch it. But you remember it, don't you? I
2: remember part of it, but it, he basically said it's a good feeling um, produced by the Holy Spirit when we experience the beauty of Christ.
0: Right. So that, that's what we What we experience... What we are drawn to Christ through his or see the beauty of Christ in his word and the world. I in think his is what word and
2: the world, yeah. But yeah. but his point too was that it's produced by the Holy Spirit and joy is not something we can produce in ourselves. It's not something we can conjure up. It's actually when we are seeing the beauty of Christ in the Word and in the world, that, then the Holy Spirit is the one who can produce joy in us. But it's like whenever we see an old friend and our initial reaction is joy, that's not something we conjured up like, oh yeah, I should be happy about seeing, it. you know, I should be, it, it, it's just a reaction, it's an emotion. It's a redeemed, it's a good emotion. And joy is, is a, a, a redeemed emotion that the, only the Holy Spirit can truly produce in that. So it, in my heart. It, it it was kind of it was kind of interesting because and convicting because I think sometimes when we don't feel joyful you we're like oh gosh I should just be more joyful and not like I should like make myself be joyful and just realizing that you know you go back to the basics and and I, spend time in the Word and I think you really can. see the beauty of Christ and let the Holy Spirit do the work right
1: <laughs> I think you can if you change your perspective and remember what God said because. In those difficult well, there's times, a, there's a place for thinking. Too, <coughs> joy is more of an emotion than emotion. right. But if you change your perspective and look at the things that you know, and think look for love. Christ's love and look yeah. for the the blessings that He has given us instead of walling, wallering. Sure, go with it. That thing yeah. in in that negative attitude. Right. That should elicit joy when the Holy Spirit sees that. Right.
2: It's kind of been an interesting book to go through, though, because he actually talks about basically redeeming the emotions and redeeming our minds, and, and and how all of that plays into whether we trust God or whether we're anxious.
0: And it really, I can for us, for me, thinking through those two this this morning, and then also what we've been studying there, it, what he's talking about fleshes out the blessing of, of that that is here, because peace is. It's a it's a nice big word. It's great on a Christmas card. What does it mean, and how do I know I'm experiencing it? And I think going through kind of these thoughts of what is joy, what is peace, what is what does it mean to truly love? I think Philip has a great definition on love too, and and defining those terms to where we can gauge. Okay, what what am I not? What am I not? How am I? What do I need to plead to God for here? To to this is a promise. I should be walking in this because of what Christ has done. He says He leaves peace. So why am I stressed? Why am I anxious?
2: And He didn't say He gave us peace and joy based on our circumstances.
0: Right, right. It really comes down to again. Prizing Him, loving Him. Who is He? Is His face shining? What, is this? what am I getting from His... What do I know? The more I study who He is, the more I'm thinking through who He is and how that applies to, to where I am, I should be walking in this peace and joy that's promised. And yet, in saying that, I'm realizing there's another burden. <laughs> there's another law. And how do you do that? Again, I'm asking questions here. I don't have to answer that. These are the things that I'm, I'm at almost 50 wrestling through. What, how do you, in the Christian life, how do you do that?
2: Are you saying because he says so many times, rejoice in the Lord, and yet it's something we can't conjure up in ourselves. Right. We have to depend
0: how on the Holy Spirit. How desperate we us. are to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit to communicate the blessing that he's given us in number 6. So again, it just drives us again to the cross. How do we know we're in Christ? Go to the cross. You know, we're not to dwell on the sins of yesterday because His mercies are new every morning. That's part of the blessing. That's part of His gracious favor to us. We have to go to the cross. We have to to plead with Him again. You promised your Holy Spirit to be in me, to change me from what I did yesterday and all week or whatever. I, I need you every hour it's a great hymn I, I don't know why it hasn't been canonized yet but anyway I need you every hour is, is, the, is the plea of the Christian because we can't we can't focus we can't change our minds we can't reframe I mean that's just a trick unless it's born of the spirit and we're seeing things rightly because our heads have been washed by the word that's just a that's just a psychologist trick um, so I, it really comes down to, again, that being faithful in studying and prayer and pleading, I got nothing. I'm bringing nothing to the table. I need you every hour. And he promises he will be. And either he's doing a great con job for thousands of years, or he's really true about this. And he's going to do that in me as much as he did it in... Peter and Paul and those guys. So I we got to trust it. So all right, there's all that. Anything else? All right, let's pray. Lord, we do thank you that you have shown yourself to be faithful and true in sending Christ and that your blessings and your promise to Israel and to the nations find their yes and amen in Him. And so we plead with you again to warm our hearts to the beauty of Jesus, to lift Him up to us, that we may be drawn to Him again afresh in this season when we commemorate His birth with an eye toward His death and resurrection. The birth of Christ is amazing and, and miraculous as it was carries with it the incredible miracle of our rebirth because of his death and resurrection. And so we pray that we again fall to our knees and glory in the beauty of your face shining upon us in the face of Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen.